0: welcome to from the back Tease, a podcast where we tee it up from
1: the
2: back every week
0: welcome to the from the back tees podcast today is monday may 17th it is officially major week with the pj championship coming up but before we get started we got to of course thank our sponsor ghost golf Ghost Golf is our exciting new partner. They specialize in golf accessories, clothing. They've developed a magnetic towel, which will soon become your seven iron's best friend, your green sign caddy. Ghost Golf is an innovative company when it comes to golf accessories. They just recently released their Any Day Golf Bag and have anything from hats to golf tees for your needs. Check out Ghost Golf at ghostgolf.com. Sign up today to receive their newsletter and be up to date on their latest releases and golf news. Nolan, what's their slogan? It's... Play fearlessly, Zach. Just that, that play right. Fearlessly. Well, this week, boys, obviously last week we had the Cage Lee win. Before we get started, though, big shout out to our guy, Colton Heisey, won this week on the Corn Ferry tour alongside Grace and Sage. just a dominant performance. Reed, we know you're good friends with him. That's how we met you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Colton man, I uh, sent him a text and uh, congratulated him. Super happy for him and Garrett and uh... Uh, I think they're going to be, sorry, uh, Grayson. I just call him Garrett. Uh, they're going to be real good on the tour together. Yeah, a lot of potential. And uh, watch them grow together.
0: Yeah, and so let's get right into it, though. This week, PJ Championship at Kiawa. We have a special guest who we connected with from the Fire Pit Collective, Matt Janella. How's it going, Matt?
2: I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing?
0: Doing great, just excited for major week.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can't get excited for major week, you're not, a, you're not, you're certainly, I mean, you're not even, you're not a golfer, you're not a golf fan, you're not, you're just, you don't, golf is not your thing. If major week doesn't work for you, golf is not your thing.
3: <laughs> that, that brings up a great question I have for you, Matt. It's major week. We love the PJ championship, but you're saying, if you're not into the major championships, then you're not into golf. But what actually got you into golf? You're obviously a, a golf guy, but how did it all start for you?
2: My first um, my first invite to play golf was a neighbor, a buddy of mine, and his dad uh, were heading out to the golf course. He had uh, – my friend, I'm no matter him. maybe I was eight or nine or – some, something in that jurisdiction. And uh, I remember get, getting the invite, like, hey, do you want to go to the golf? And the golf course was an infield nine hole in the middle of the county, Sonoma County racetrack in Northern California. It's still there to this day. And uh, and I went out there, and, I mean, it's, you know, it's a flat piece of land where, you know, there's not – I mean, you know, it was golf. And uh, I remember my, my, my friend's dad, Al Cohen, let me tee it up throughout the whole golf course. I remember that was so cool. Oh, I can put it on this tee. So, you know, I had that sensation of getting the ball in flight. And uh, I remember having a fun day. I remember it was a good experience. And um, that's my first real recollection. Then I went to golf camps with my, where my grandparents lived and my uncle played at a very high level. So he taught me the grip and uh, I worked at golf courses for as long as I can remember. As uh, You know, certainly as soon as I drove probably before I was driving so in my teens I was I did everything I raked you know bunkers picked ranges changed grips parked carts worked behind the bench worked in the maintenance you know I, I mowed greens everything I did pretty much everything over the course of my adult life so what Matt what
1: was your uh, after doing all of that stuff what was your favorite uh part of the golf business to be in at a young age
2: Well, for me, I mean, I've always said, you know, when I got on Golf Channel, I was one, you know, one inadvertent curse word or inappropriate comment from being a superintendent. Like I was always like, like to this day, if someone tells me I can no longer make a living doing, you know, whatever it is I do right now, I would seek a position in at a golf course and try to work my way into uh, being a superintendent, I, I was very close to when I was at Sports Illustrated with an internship right out of college. I was getting paperwork to attend Penn State's agronomy school. I was it was kind of a sliding door situation. Uh, Sports Illustrated offered me a job. Therefore, I didn't go to agronomy school.
1: Oh, God.
3: Awesome. <laughs> so Matt, you you said <laughs> you said whatever I do right now, um, A lot of people know you for you know your time on the Golf Channel, Sports Illustrated, like you're talking about. I know I watched you on the Golf Channel a lot. Um, But tell us a little bit about the Fire Pit Collective and what you're up to nowadays.
2: Well, I've just um, it's just been this progression, I think, of my life. You know, personal, professional. I you know started in photography at Sports Illustrated, got a master's degree in a commu- in uh, writing and journalism at Columbia University and then started writing for Golf Digest after, you know, I was kind of made a transition from photography and producing images and editing pictures and all that stuff into writing the stories uh, as a travel, you know, sort of a lifestyle guy at Golf Digest, which led to this broadcasting position in, at Golf Channel. And so the toolbox kind of, a, it's, I've just been kind of all around it and uh, I've watched, and been in a lot of business meetings and uh, have a lot of thoughts on you know media and where we are and where we're going and and uh so you know after you know eight years at golf channel and in the position they're in and they were they were cutting costs and overhead and so it was a it was a it was a good time i think you know my contract was up and started this media company and the, with the idea that you know i'll you know, I I think direct to consumer is where everything is now. And, uh, Mm. that goes far, it goes beyond media, obviously, but we have that ability now, uh, where we are with, with technology and the rubber has met the road with distribution. So it's everywhere. And if you can uh, gain a following, and if you can be uh, a voice and, uh, have some consistency and be good at content and, have a passion and an authenticity to what your passions are, I think you have, you have, you can do whatever you want uh, as it, as it comes, you know, uh, you guys uh, look at you guys, look at, look at everybody, look at everybody. It's, it's, uh, it's very quickly becoming a saturated space, but over time that all gets vetted out by the consumer. You know, over time you have a chance to, you know, to jump in there. Everybody's got a shot, but at this point you better be good or, or, and different, or, you know, consistent or, or it'll literally, literally just be a hobby. And I'm trying to make it a living. And I'm doing that by combining myself, uh, combining forces with guys like Alan Shipnuck, Ryan French of Monday Q info. I think there's, there's strength in numbers. Uh, that's been proven out in a lot of ways, shapes and forms. And uh, we're not going to stop there. We're going to, we're going to continue. You know, we have a partnership with Christina Kim, uh, we have a couple more big announcements coming over the course of the next couple weeks of other content creators that uh, that I think are just are are deserve um, support and a bigger platform and and a team philosophy in which uh, we can all try to help each other uh, uh, fulfill our dreams.
0: Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, and I think uh, you mentioned Ryan French. We've actually spoke to him a couple of times great guy i thought that was a brilliant move by you guys he's been growing like every time you go check his twitter it's just growing drastically every time but what's your what's your plan as a whole are you trying to cover all the golf events going on or you're just trying to be sort of a mainstream golf news outlet
2: i think it's a lot of i think it's all of it it's it's uh it's it's a lot of verticals i think we'll go one vertical at a time so lifestyle professional golf with alan you know uh uh, mini, you know, sort of mini tour golf, you know, the, the, the real drama of golf, the real sort of professional golf is happening where Ryan is, uh, has been living the last few years. And so no, no shock that a guy with a great instinct on what is a story uh, with the mind and the passion and and the opportunity to sort of really delve into uh, that, that, that pocket, that pocket of of um, narratives. I mean it's it's endless. Uh if you like golf and you like stories, well look what what that's that's Monday Q Info. And it's it's the real it's the real stuff. People are really playing for their livelihood. It's like going back in time and covering the Jack Nicholases and the Lee Trevinos and the Sam Sneeds and the guys who had to play to 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 live.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually. I think that's probably been a big reason we've done pretty well because we've always started. We had a lot of caddies on. We had a lot of guys who weren't exactly the superstars. I mean, Reid, you could attest to it. But at the start, a lot of guys we had, they were struggling, and now it just seems like everyone we've spoken to in the past either is making it onto the PJ tour, having success, and people like to follow those stories, maybe more even than the top players on the tour.
2: Zach, that's the uh, that's from the back keys bump right there. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I mean, you should give yourself a pat on the back because, I mean, there, of course, there's a lot to it. This is, um, this is where, this is where it's going down. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, the more, you know, the, the, the PGA tour is throwing money, throwing money around, like, you know, like the U.S. government. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um. It's pretty insane, to be honest with you. And you know, there's these threats of these, you know, ancillary leagues that are forcing their hand. Uh, the the you know, it's a it's a real case of the rich are getting richer. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even saying that I have a problem with it. I'm not even saying that they don't deserve it. I'm not even saying that the tour can do whatever they want to do with their money. Now, I'm just stating the facts, and that's why we we are as a collective a community of golf enthusiasts are gravitating toward the stuff that's way more real. I mean, we just got, we've, we're in the midst and, uh, and, and late in the game on a global pandemic in which that really taught us a lot about ourselves, about our lives, about our friends, about our values, about our politics, about a lot, right? It goes really deep. And we all you know, took from it what we did. One thing I think a lot of us took from it is a a better understanding of what really matters and what's really worth our time and what's really worth our energy and what we invest in in life. And so that's why I think some of this stuff and why a guy like Ryan has percolated to the top and um, because it's real. It's real. The people he covers are real and the way he covers them is real real he is an incredibly real i mean every time i talk to him i tear up whether it's you know his own story or something he's telling me about i mean he's he's uh he's he's got his hands on around uh, some real uh, uh endearing stuff
1: i think i think people as you as you mentioned i think people have especially over the last year and a half or so or whatever it's been since covid started have taken a of paying attention to the smaller details and smaller stories that are becoming big uh, or you know stories that people really they would have never know about unless someone you know writes on and I think that uh, Ryan has done a fabulous job in that instance of basically giving people some insight on what's really going on behind the scenes and you know the stuff that is isn't nationally publicized and all, all of that things of that nature and I think that it's only creating a bigger uh, and that obviously will only continue to grow the game
2: yeah that's all true I, I um, and but it's also then the philanthropic stuff where he's you know and sort of the socially connective tissue he's doing where you know getting people support financial you know uh, clubs, kids, uh, you know, connecting dots, you know, just very, very, uh, again, very, uh, in, in such an endearing way. It's like, who doesn't want to help whatever Ryan French is behind? I don't know. It's, it's great. And, uh, it's, uh, it's all, it's all there for you. I mean, it's exciting times. Um, and, and, and I think, I think we all, we all win. Uh, if you're a golf consumer, fan uh you're just taking up the game or if you've played for life um i think there's plenty out there to keep you connected entertained uh there's community stuff like you know real stuff like what goat hill park is and what john ashworth is doing in oceanside which is real connective tissue and then there's also kind of this the social connective tissue that's happening not all of it's great i mean that you know the, the the world of twitter is what it is and and um and there there's you know there unfortunately there's a lot of troll stuff but i think i think you know that's why that's again why ryan is so so popular because he just sort of stays above it and away from it and and does it with uh does it with grace
0: yeah i think you said it perfectly but i guess we got to move on we could talk about this forever but this week the pj championship we're going to south carolina it's at the Ocean Course at Kiawah Island Golf Resort and this is uh as far as I'm concerned as far as I know the longest course for a golf major at just under 7900 yards. So be
2: long.
0: Yeah. What's that?
2: what's
3: that what was that? Quite possibly the longest course ever played on the tour. That's what I think yeah. Reed was saying. Yeah, I
2: mean Well, what, yeah, you know uh, Pete Dye, uh, at one point of his design career, you know, got really, got really defensive and got really upset, got really angry about uh, the distance issue. And you know, he was saying, "I've got to, I've got to build these golf courses for what's coming." You know, he I mean he he made a conscious effort at at a phase of his career in which he He saw all this coming. he wasn't happy about it, and I think it generally impacted uh, the direction he went with his architecture in which he was not holding back on on building you know uh, the potential of big, bad, and uh, brutal uh, because you know for the most part for the most part, Pete uh, was called upon to build for the pros, and I think Kiowa. Kiowa is a classic case, you know, of – that's a golf course built for the pros, for a rider, for for, for this level of uh, talent because I'll tell you right now, if you're an amateur and you rock up to Kiowa, <laughs> I mean, that you're in for a long day.
3: You've played a lot of courses, Matt. Have you played Kiowa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a sp- – spank in the butt to say the least it's
2: a spank it's a spank everywhere it's a spank you know the <laughs> butt i'd take a spank in the butt i mean some you know don't threaten me with a good time but i'm mean, i'm telling you a spank in the a spank in every you know spank on the other side i mean a kick uh, a bite uh, a vice uh, sandpaper everything everything that's rough and and horrible is <laughs> what you're gonna uh, put yourself through well i know uh, it's- I know
1: this course is is real long and, and one of the reasons it's very tough, and obviously there's more than just being long, but one of the main reasons it's tough is because it is very long and you have some very long, you know, three, four iron, five irons into some holes that are, you know, hard to recept those kind of shots but that being said on the other spectrum, I think there's you know, all. Something to be said about golf courses, long makes them tough, yes. But green complexes almost make them tougher. And I don't know if you would agree with that. Long makes them what? Long makes it tough. Long makes golf courses tough. But yeah. green yeah. Makes, makes it fine, tougher than a golf course being long.
2: Well, for the, for the pros, I mean, uh, length is really not an issue, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that the way they, they hit the ball – the way they hit the ball, uh, you know, if you go long, I mean, it's certainly gonna it's gonna favor long. I mean, but um, I think rough uh, hazards um, and and green complexes uh, and then elements obviously are, are some of the defenses that you can use to try to you know and 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 get specific with angles. Make you make hard harbor town is you know gonna it's withstanding the test of time because of you know where where you have to. Uh, make turns and the dress turns and the really small greens uh pebble beach is another one where it's, it's withstanding the test of time uh so to speak because small greens and you get some elements um and you can grow grow up the rough so um but uh, kiawa is it's relentless it, there, there there is so many you know right from the beginning it's uh you don't have a lot of room for air and uh The, you know, think of the higher, they got some high greens with some wonky runoff. So you get like, you get a combination of a lot of really tough things uh, to deal with at Kiwa And you could potentially have elements. It doesn't look like it's going to blow that hard this week. So that, that's, that's going to uh, help the the situation because it could get at that length or hard and fast, crazy green speeds and weather. I mean, at, at a course that's unforgiving, not built for like, you know, true links golf that's when it gets really crazy right
0: yeah do you believe this narrative though that's been going around the industry that like while you mentioned how Pete Dye made this course sort of expecting for the long hitters a lot of people seem to think it's basically only benefiting the long hitters and taking like 80 percent of the field out of it do you think that's true or do you think it won't really matter
2: oh I definitely don't think it's taking that many people out of the uh, I think I think you know slow and steady guys are, you know, who uh, don't have a, a an aggressive strategy. You know, I think I think you know the I think a plotter could contend for sure. I don't think it's I don't think it's a given that it's going to be uh, guys who are long.
0: So I basically, as a Canadian, I, you're saying Corey Connors has a chance.
2: I love Corey Connors. I, I mean, I think, I think if he's not, uh, you know, and he, I played with him at the Bay Hill pro am and what an incredibly nice guy. And even then people were like, Oh, get ready for the stripe show. Get ready for the stripe show. And then you watch him. He doesn't miss a shot. He does not miss a shot. You know, you play with a lot of these guys, they miss shots. You go like, wow, they miss shot. Corey Connors didn't miss a shot, but he needed, he needed to, he said, if I can get hot in putting, I contend. And then, you know, he's been hot in putting and he's contending. And, I I think accuracy is it's all come on, accuracy and putting. I you know I I think they can all they all hit it far enough, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of Corey Pavin. To have Jordan Speed? You know Jordan Speeth hits it plenty far uh, to to be in the mix. And I think there will be other guys like that.
3: Right, length is just a tool to become more accurate. Right to be able to use your scoring clubs to put the ball closer to the
2: hole. Yeah. And you use different shots and, you know, but they're all good at hitting like, okay, yes, correct. The guy who's hitting the eight iron might have a bigger advantage than the guy who's hitting a six iron, but the guy who hits the six iron is there because he really knows how to hit the six iron. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, this is not like we just took, took it away from him. He's been, he's gotten there his whole life. Uh, doing this. Okay. So, and then he's probably a really good putter. So, or he's got a short game. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, this is golf. You no, know,
1: You bring up a good point, and I think more about it. I worked with Mark Hubbard for the better part of two and a half years or so, with, you know, about a year and a half being on a PGA tour um, recently through the COVID times, caddied for him. Um, and Mark doesn't hit it, you know, very far at all. Um, and, you mention using your strengths to an advantage, and you know I think one of Mark's strengths is controlling his number with his irons. And if you're a good yardage controller with your irons, and I don't care what number you're probably gonna be able to get around the golf course most of the time. Sometimes, obviously, it's gonna be better than others, but if you control your irons, or if you if
2: you're a putter,
1: you can rely on something.
2: It goes a long way in game golf. Look at Rory. Look at Rory. Does Rory win if he doesn't putt? No, he doesn't win if he doesn't putt. Bryson DeChambeau doesn't win if he doesn't putt. I mean, that's you know, that's that's just the facts, guy. The guy, I can. Here's what I can guarantee, because prognostication of golf is you know, it's it's not it's not percentages are low, but one thing we can point to is the guy who wins we'll be in the top three in putting. I mean, that's yeah. what's going to happen. And that's... Yeah, Every
0: week. I mean, we saw it with KH Lee, too. Not, not a great putter on tour, I guess. <laughs> Similar to a Corey Connors out there where his ball striking seems to be consistently good. And then you have one of the weeks where you putt well. I mean, Bryson had to have led the field off the tee this week. I mean, it, it for sure helps you making the cut. It gives, you, it gives you an advantage, obviously, being able to hit it 370 yeah. yards. But if you can't putt, if you can't approach the green, well, you're pretty screwed. But uh, yeah, this week uh, I was looking at some of the some of the holes. We got like the the 17th seems to be the one that everyone's talking about. 223 yards, basically over water. Do you think that's going to play toughest out of
2: all of them? I d- I mean. It just, I guess it depends on where the wind is. I mean, 223 yards for them over water, okay? It's not, you know, it's a hard hole for us. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, they're all hard to me out there. That's why it's that's why it's Kew Ocean course. I mean, uh, you know, that, it's going to be an 18-hole battle for what's the hardest. That's, that's the reason why uh, it's just going to be. Why it's a major championship venue. It's a great major championship venue, uh, especially for Ryder Cups. I believe it's a great match play because you know the, the volatility of every hop, every shot, every hole uh is high. And um, you know, it 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 is a professional venue. You know, Oakmont is a professional venue, spyglass is very good for the pros. Beth Page Black, great professional venue. You know, there's there Shinnecock. That's a professional venue. You know, that these are our big league ballparks. And uh, it's cool. The women are going to play at the Olympic Club coming up. That's a big league ballpark. That's a very tough uh, extreme golf. It's I love it. It's for them. It's for the pros uh, watch.
1: You know, it's you look at
2: um,
1: the majors and you look at the Masters, let's say, and it's, um, you know, winners of tournaments and uh, top. 50 in the world, I think it is off the top of my head. It might be different. I think it's top 50. Um, And then you look at the British, and then you look at um, the US Open where amateurs can qualify. But you look at the PGA Championship, and every year I look at the PGA Championship field. It is one of the most diverse fields in all of golf because you have so many people coming over from Asia, you have club pros. You have guys who have won in the past, you know, um, Sean McKeel or whatever. And I think while the PGA may not be everyone's favorite major, it's a major that I think a lot of people have an access to get into where, you know, the Masters, obviously, it's very limited. And a guy from Asia would have a hard time getting in the Masters, you know, that, that plays in Asia. Um, but I bring that up because you look at a player like John Catlin, and John Catlin, um, who, fun fact, I actually went to uh, Japan with on a um, U.S. national team when I was in high school, but John Catlin has won a couple times in Asia now and, and on the European tour, and um, he's pole vaulted to 80th in the world. Well, now John Catlin is playing in the main in PGA Championship. And I think that it kind of opens a lot of doors for people to kind of backdoor their their way into the PGA championship. And I think that it's fun to watch and fun to see. And, you know, that's why I think in the past you've seen some names that you won't really expect winning the PGA championship.
2: I'm all for it. I I totally agree. I like it. I I do think that we need a global major. Uh, I, I have a hard time with, golf being a global sport when we only have like one major outside the u.s you know what i mean where i and i i think and i love the open championship i think there needs to be you know forget the players championship the players just is what it is it's kind of cool it's its own category let it be its own category but i think if the pga wouldn't do something like this i think that that if we were to go to a fifth major in man i think having a fifth major that that roams to Australia and to Asia and to, you know, Africa, South Africa, to, you know, just go other places. Right. It'd be uh, pretty cool. Go to Canada. Do, 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 do something like that. And just go, go to like really cool venues and host a tournament that is a fifth major, you know, something world, something global. You know, because and we got the Olympics, and that that that's gonna help. That helps. I mean, I think they got to fix that format, but you know, let's. I think that's a possibility. I would. I would. I think that's cool.
3: I love that, Matt. Like, I think bring major championships to the people. Like, go put it in places where no one ever gets to watch these guys perform on a major championship level, because the U.S. Open's always on like ten different courses. The British Open's always on. 10 different courses and then there's the masters on one course the PGA just sticks around the US and goes to you know a few other more courses but yeah exactly if you want to make the world of golf more global have a major championship set aside that travels to to the people and just intrigues them even more i want a major championship at bandon dunes i want a major championship over in china something like that
1: at, look at the uh, the LPGA. I know they have five majors, but they have a tournament in France, which within the Evian Evian Masters. I mean, I don't think it's really that out of the ballpark for the PGA to do something like that.
2: No, I, I think I think I think that there's some version of that coming, and I think it'll be really cool. I, I think there's got to be more mixed events. I, I would like to start seeing more men and and elite level women uh challenge matches maybe even a a subseason you know i i I think uh, i'm doing a story right now for golf channel on marion hollands who you know founded pasatiempo and helped develop you know cyprus and and uh obviously was involved in august national and friends with bobby jamesy i i I love you know she's gonna go into world golf hall of fame with with Tiger and Finchman, and uh, she won the 1921 U.S. Amateur Women's Amateurs. She's amazing, and uh, I, I think that she played in a lot of these mixed matches, and I think, I think you know, we've seen little glimpses of them, but I, I think a combo tour thing uh, is, is – the timing is right for that. It sounds like there's – you know, feels like there's a groundswell for it, and I think as we've watched Zurich try to carve out something that's unique for them, um, I think there's got to be other sponsors going, you know what? I I feel like maybe we have fallen in this very generic sort of mundane rotation of stroke play events. And I think we, we can, we see an opportunity to try to come up with something different and new. And I think they'll press the tour. The, 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 the I think the women, uh, the, the emergence of women and women's golf and women's professional golf over the last 10 years, specifically two years. Uh, and, and, in the wake of COVID is uh, if, if, if the game and the tent poles don't continue to cultivate and nurture something like this and stop doing stuff like the women's NCAA regional and Baton Rouge uh, and, and sort of, you know, disregard not only women's golf, but women's sports and athletes in general, uh, then I think, you know, I think, I think we have a real chance of truly growing this game in that, in, in that, in that uh, aspect.
0: Yeah, I think
1: that's. I was actually talking to Ryan. uh, I caddy for Ryan O'Toole now on the uh, LPGA. And I was actually talking to Ryan today. We have match play coming up next week. I looked at her and I said, you know what? I know the match play isn't the biggest event we've played in this far this year, but it may be one of the ones I'm looking forward to most just because it's different, just because you're going into the tournament and it's a different setup. It's a different. know style of golf it's 1v1 you know you're not playing 143 other people or whatever the number is that week and i think that you know more needs to be done with it whether it's a stable for a tournament here whether it's more team events but playing week in and week out for stroke play stuff yes it's awesome i love it and the players love it and whatnot but when you get a change of pace in such a match play tournament or a stableford event or a two-man best ball event or whatever, I think you start opening up different sides of, you know, tournament play where people are watching and seeing different kinds of golf. Very interesting. I think it's starting to become more popular and more
2: popular. Well well they, they enjoy it more. You start to see like if if they are more, you know, look, these guys go week in and week out. And week in and week out, and year in and year out, and I don't know about you, but if if my buddy's trip always played the same, uh, you know, the same format, and it was it was rattle bottom, you know, stroke play, you know, account everything, do the, I mean, would you, would you be as excited for your buddy's trip if you you know, knowing that you're gonna go and you're gonna play a little alternate shot a little two-man scramble and a mix best ball, the twosome, and you got to have a putting cut, you know, like we go because it's, it is a game guys. You know, it is a game. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are playing, you know, a game for a living. It's a sport. It's a, it's entertainment. And if they get more into it, we get more into it. And that, you know, that goes for both men and women. The reason why we gravitate towards these women and why it's so much more enjoyable for me to watch is because yes, they're more relatable but they're also more uh, available. What's with European tour guys, the same, same way, they're, they're more accessible. I mean, uh, the robotic kind of presentation of, of most of the professional golfers uh, is pretty dry. And, um, and that's why, you know, guys like Max Homa and Colt Nost and Bubba Watson, all these guys, you know, they're, they're at least they, they're giving us something more than uh, we bargained for.
0: Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, but uh, we're, we're starting to run out of a little bit of time here. We don't want to keep you for too long, so let's close things off. Matt, I don't know how you are picking who you think's going to win. We're personally horrible at it. Better at giving these guys bumps than picking who's going to win, but let's close things off. I want to know who you think's going to win this week, and I also want to know one storyline for people to watch out for.
2: Oh, my gosh, guys. I mean, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, um, uh, Xander Schauffele. I mean, I guess, you know, that, I mean, I'm not going to give you any um, great, you know, I, I, you've, everybody – I mean, the thing with golf is you can make a case for so many guys. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Justin Thomas. So, you know, there's, there's, there's like five favorites. That's usually um, what we
0: do. We usually just guess, and then we're usually wrong. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I mean I I um I, I but then I I wouldn't be surprised for like I don't know. Uh it's going to be a grind uh, you know. Uh Webb simpson obviously I think is is a good is a good name to throw in there. But um and then the storyline is 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 going to be scoring I think you know where where are they in relation to par. That a lot's being made of distance right now. And it's Kiwa Ocean. So let's see. What, what, what do they do? Where, where is par? What is your guess for the win? Is it five under or is it 15 under? Because um, that to me is a big difference. And where uh, is it five over? Um, I'd probably go with five under.
1: I'm taking uh, – I'll get right to it, uh, Matt. I'm taking uh, – I'm saying Colin Morikawa at 11 under par for the repeat, repeat title
3: back to back, wow, has not happened in a while? Well I shouldn't say that
1: right. I've got a long shot in there, a uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, uh, and for everyone that's going to bet on this tournament, uh, I would put John Catlin to top ten and uh, and maybe even maybe even win it.
3: Dude, I love the John Catlin pick. I remember watching the the gosh, how many extra holes did they go to on that European tour? event
1: yeah
3: oh my gosh and I was like these guys are just like zoned out just like trying to get through this playoff and he came out of it that's gutsy so I saw his name pop up and I was like why not John Callen?
0: yeah no what about you
3: um I feel very Reed Martin-ish on this (laughs) PGA championship because I really like Xander Shoffley and I what really like Mackenzie Hughes playing this week. <laughs> I really like Patrick Cantley too. Um, those are guys I feel like Reed always picks. Um, hmm. You know, but, but like, I just keep looking at, looking at this guy's name and I'm going to go with Victor Holland this week. I don't know why I think he's, he's playing better. Um there's he's got pretty good odds, twenty-five to one, is what I'm seeing and um, I think he's just got good overall game to be able to stick with it, be there at the end on the back nine on Sunday, and figure out a way to make some putts.
1: I think there's fifty guys that have the it factor to get it done when it's needed on the back nine of a major, and I think Victor Hovland falls in that category.
0: Yeah, yeah. for me, uh, I mean. We just saw Rory McIlroy win a tournament after no one was talking about him. He was playing horrible. How about Dustin Johnson? This guy was the best player in the world two months ago. All anyone could talk about, he was like 6-1 to going into some events. Sure, he's had a couple bad weeks in a row. Forget about it. We all know DJ has like the shortest memory of any golfer. He's going to go out there. I think – I'm hoping the winning score is above par because I'm a big fan of these – when Whoa. the course really beats the players, do you think it will be? It, or do you have even? A, I think it'll be around even. I think the winner might be like minus two.
3: Okay, that's really, that's,
0: really that's that's really down there. And I think yeah, there's not supposed to be wind, as Matt mentioned. But I think who knows weather? It's like impossible to predict. If the wind does get up, I think almost for sure we don't see anyone break par because this course is going to play brutal. But Dustin Johnson, I also think a good story to watch out for that I haven't heard people talking about too much. Maybe I'm, like, on the wrong Twitter. Jordan Spieth, PJ Championship to complete the Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Is it just me, or have people been sleeping on this? It's a lot of
3: pressure, man, to close out the career. There's so many guys who – so many great golfers who haven't been able to complete the career Grand Slam. And I think it's just a different kind of pressure when you just know – time and time again that this is the one tournament you want like more than any other. So if he did it, that'd be pretty incredible. He's playing great. Um, So I don't see why he couldn't.
0: Yeah. Well, to close things off, as we always do, Reed, you're the geography guy. Give us a little fun fact. And then we're going to get to Nolan to give us, of course, our beloved Tiger Woods fact of the week.
1: Yeah. uh, We're in Williamsburg, Virginia this week. A lot of history here. A lot of old time um, facts and whatnot. So, I uh, did a little multiple choice question for you guys, and uh, it's a little uh, left field. But um, Williamsburg was the original what in Virginia? A, the site of the largest cattle farm in the United States. B, the first gold mine state. C, the most popular. Populated city in Virginia or D, the original capital?
0: Matt, we give it to you first. Uh, D.
3: Damn, that was a good guess. OG capital. I'm going to go, uh, you said gold mine
0: state B.
1: First gold mine site, site was B.
0: I'm going with that. I'm going with the most populous city in Virginia.
1: Well, once again, our guest has got it correct. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Williamsburg was the <laughs> capital of Virginia from 19- 1699 to 1780
3: that's so weird I wonder why it changed
1: I don't know well it's now rich so I have no idea why but yeah
0: uh, interesting it was capital. all mm-hmm. right Nolan we go to you
3: before we get into the little fun fact um Tiger Woods news um George Savaricus, which um I don't know if Matt you've I'm so you've interacted maybe with George
2: before? Um, oh yeah, but, good buddy, good friend of.
3: Yeah, he. Um, I believe he's where I first read some some Tiger news that came out this week. Um, he tweeted out hearing at, that Tiger Woods at the point in the healing process where the next benchmark is for blood circulation to get back to normal in his injured right foot. So um, still kind of on a ominous timeline here on where it falls into place recovery wise, but, um, in the wait and see mode and you know, that just hearing anything about Tiger Woods and the possibility that he might play golf again, just brings light to my life. (laughs) So i love to hear that. Um, that, that actually prompts a question on my mind, Matt, um, What was the, what was the biggest factor that led you to golf and why was it Tiger Woods?
2: (laughs) What was the biggest factor that led me to golf and why was it Tiger Woods? Yeah,
3: (laughs) we all know, right? Everyone's, everyone says, I mean, do you, do you think he can, do you think he can make it back?
2: You know, my first week at Sports Illustrated as a photo editor was Tiger Woods' first week as a professional. So it was the Milwaukee 1996 Milwaukee Open was my first week as official golf photo editor, which just meant that I was, you know, I, I was, you know, producing all the photos that went into Golf Plus and In Sports Illustrated and, you know, because of that and so that the timing for me my career in large part has a lot to do with Tiger and the tsunami of interest that he brought to the game of golf. So it's not to say that he brought me to golf, but he certainly brought me a career in golf. So, and I, you know, I've actually, I wrote a letter to him early on, uh, in my work at sports illustrated, essentially thanking him (laughs) for all that he was doing in golf. Um, and, um, do I, I've, I've never, ever, counted tiger out or thought he was never going to not win another major or you know i i just I've, i was you know could because i've been covering him since literally uh, day 1 and and even prior to me being a photo editor i was part of the team in 19, 1995 and so he and i grew up in northern california and would occasionally see his name on some of the walls of golf courses i would go to and um he uh but this one is going to be i don't know guys i mean I hope. Look, I mean, I just hope he can walk again uh, without a ton of pain. I mean, remember, he had just had his fifth back surgery right before a really, really gnarly car accident. So forget the leg or the ankle or the foot or the, you know, all that. I mean, we still got the back. You know, so there's there's so much, so much here. I mean, he's such he's um, he's like a 65 year old man, and uh, and to think that he can come back. Again, if he can come back and play in the father-son or, you know, kind of uh, the masters uh, for, uh, you know, and and make the cut. I mean, that would be amazing. This guy has just been through a Hogan-esque car accident, but later in his life, and his career. And he already had a bunch of physical issues going into it.
1: Right. It's –
3: I mean – You bring up the the Hogan car accident and so many – So many times I remember Tiger referencing how amazing Ben Hogan was and how he idolized Ben Hogan so much in part because of the comeback Ben Hogan is able to make from that horrific accident. And now we see the same kind of situation. Very interesting.
2: Would I bet against him? I don't know that I'd put any money either way. You know what I mean? I'd kind of just sit on the side and, and uh, observe and root for him, you know, Boy, if you've seen the documentary, you go, my God, the guy had no shot. I mean, he had no shot to be anything close to being somewhat normal. I mean, the fact, the fact is, I mean, he's a product of his environment. Aren't we all? And that was some intense stuff being revealed about a guy, and that, that kind of also better explains why he's just the machine that he was uh, to win 82 times and 15 majors, and you know, and keep, keep at bay all this competition. The other thing is, is that when he, you know he's he's now the the field, the competition are uh, is such that you know he's not just going to waltz back into Augusta and just you know win a match. I mean, we he got it, he did that. You think he's going to do it again against even better competition a couple of years from now? I don't know.
1: It's hard to believe, that's for sure.
2: Yeah,
3: I can tell you are very uh, big Tiger avid fan there Matt I appreciate it you're a a plus in my book there um always (laughs) good to hear Tiger stories
2: he's uh I've had a lot of I've had a lot of encounters with him and uh you know I've never really tried to be his friend or anything I just you know I've I've always marveled at his um certainly his abilities and his uh and his success but I I you know I've I I can't say that I've ever envied his happiness, and that's there's something I, I'm I'm sad about that. You know, I wish I wish he was leading or had a happier life. You know, it's uh, the whole thing outside the ropes is pretty sad.
3: Yeah, totally agree. I think there is, um, you know, some happiness he has been able to experience now um, after what he's been through i think he's been able to you know raise his family and um at least see some some part of normalcy um and i i pray that he begins to you know keep doing that for the rest of his life and just enjoy life like live like a normal person maybe for
2: a few moments um and well um, he he he's spent he's spent he has spent a lot of time deadening the pain and whether mm-hmm. that's physical or spiritual or psychological um you know or or all of the above uh for a guy with his success and uh his accomplishments and his resources um you wish that he would he gets to a point where he's no longer deadening the pain whatever that is you know, that's what I wish for the guy.
3: Right. Well, you mentioned his success. That's exactly where I'm going with today's uh, little stat. PGA Championship. Um, do you guys know how many PGA Championships Tiger Woods has won? It's a little softball for you. Come on. Three?
1: Three? Yeah. Four. four.
3: Good job, Reed. Four PGA Championships. Um, and – very iconically and kind of overlooked, I think, it, um, is where I'm going with this one. Both of his PJ championships were both in back-to-back fashion. So he won the '99 and he won the 2000, and then he won the 2006 and 2007. So pretty incredible to defend the PJ championship not once but twice. Um,
1: That's why and- I, called- I was this week going.
3: Yeah, so that, I mean, that would be incredible for Marikawa. Um, it's really hard to do. Only a few people have done it. And, you know, Brooks has recently shown that excellence in both the U.S. Open and PGA Championship, but um, it's not very often you see a guy uh,
0: go back-to-back at a major, let alone twice at the same major. Yeah. Right. Only Tiger, I tell you. That's why we like to end it off with the Tiger fact. But with that, thanks so much, Matt, for coming on. We really appreciated it. We got some good insight for the tournament this week. Hopefully you guys listening could uh, make some money maybe picking one of our picks. But as you know, if you've been listening, (laughs) probably not a good idea. But on behalf of the From the Back Tees guys, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, Matt.
1: Thank you for listening to From the Back Tees. For the hole, and it's in with 30. We hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FromTheBackTees. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. See you next week. Be the ball, man.